Again, I thank God, as Dan mentioned before he prayed um, this morning, before the offer t- offering time, I just praise God for our praise team and our tech team and uh, the words to that song that we were just singing, the focus that that gives us in the middle of this difficult time that we're living in. Um, and, and again, as we've been talking about all during these last few months, um, this difficult time is, is kind of hitting us from all different angles. And one thing that has remained um, absolutely true and absolutely certain during all of this uncertainty is the Word of God. And I was encouraged this week, somebody reminded me of Joshua 1.9. I, I won't have you turn to it right now, but it, it was the time when Joshua was taking over leadership of Israel from Moses, who had just died. And, you know, Moses had led the, the children of Israel out of the, uh, the land of Egypt and out of slavery and uh, led them through the desert all those years. And, and, and the Lord used him to perform many great miracles and all different kinds of things. And then all of a sudden he's gone, and Joshua is, is left in charge. And God makes some great statements in the first chapter of Joshua uh, to Joshua, but one of them rings true to all of us. And there, and there he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? He said, I will be with you wherever you go. And God makes that promise to all of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is going to be with us wherever we go. And because of his presence in our lives, because of the promises that he's made in his word, we can have courage and we can have strength. And that's what we need today. That's what our country needs. That's what the church in our country needs. And so let's bow together right now as we, as we think about the turmoil that our country is in. And uh, let, let's, lift, let's lift her up and ask God to be gracious and merciful to us. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the courage and strength that you gave Joshua. That very important time in his life, that very important time in the life of Israel. We now come to you asking you for that same strength and courage at this very important time in our lives in the life of our particular church, Midway Community Church, in the life of your church in the United States of America, in the life of the church around the world, as all of us in all these different countries face special challenges. Father, none of the special challenges around the world are, are any greater than the one that we face here in the United States, that we face right here in the area and city of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, You know the turmoil that we're in. You know the racial divide that is, current, that, is, that is ripping our country apart right now. And we pray that you would intervene as only you can, that you would bring peace to hearts so that the peace that, that can bring people back together could also uh, come into our lives. And we know that it begins in the, in the hearts and lives of individuals. And so we pray that you'd help us to overcome our past, overcome the the difficulties, overcome the the injustices, uh, overcome the the racism, overcome the the brutality, any of the things that that have happened in the past. Help us to overcome those things. And we pray that you would lead us um, together in a a way of peace, uh, that we can fulfill the plans that you have for a country like the United States of America. We saw in our scripture reading this morning, Father, from 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy, that you have 
plans for nations that you want us all to be able to live quiet and peaceful lives in all holiness and godliness so that we can continue to share the truth of your love for us demonstrated through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only mediator between you and all of mankind. And so we thank you for our Lord Jesus, and we pray that you would protect our country, that you would, that you would bring peace uh, to, our div- to our division right now, that you'd bring us back together, maybe in a way that we've never been together before. You know how divided we are politically, how, how divided we are racially, and we just ask that you would break down those divides, that you would, that you would bridge the, the chasm that exists between us uh, as Americans, and we pray that you would help us through it. We pray that you would bring, bring peace to hearts that are, that are really uh, angry right now, that you would remind them of your love, remind them of your provision, remind them of the promises that you've made for life now, but also, and most importantly, for life uh, for eternity. And we pray that you would do these things in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our sinfulness, and that you would do these things in the power, in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you take your Bibles and turn now to Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, I want to continue as you, you see in the, in the background, um, our year 2020, and again, what a year it's been. Uh, we wonder how it, can, how it can get any better. Um, but there's also another um, way that we're using 2020 on the, on the background slide. Uh, 2020 as in 2020 vision. We want to see clearly what God is doing in our lives, in our families. We want to see clearly what he's doing in our country. We want to see clearly what he's doing in the year 2020. And the only way that we can do that is to look together to consider what God has revealed to us in his word to us. And so this morning from Romans chapter 13, we will see a passage that clearly helps us understand the ways that God wants governments to be organized and one of the critical um, ingredients in that organization. And we'll see it starting with chapter 13, verse 1, Romans chapter 13. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. And what he's talking about there as he he finishes that sentence, because of conscience, 
because of what he's told us in his word, because of the way he's put things together, he wants us to remain not only in a right relationship with, with the ruling authorities in our lives, but he also wants us to stay in a right relationship with himself, with God himself. And so the way that we um, look to, a, to government is, is important in our own relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, remember, this passage is assuming that those of us who are reading it together right now are believers in Jesus Christ. As Paul was writing to the Roman believers, he was writing to a group of people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have put their trust in him. And so let me start with that this morning. As we talk about these things, he's talking to us as believers. These are the things that believers in Christ need to do to maintain a close relationship with God. Now, obeying our authorities is not what um, is what, not what gets us to heaven. It's not what makes us Christian. What makes us a Christian is the moment we realize that we are a sinner and separated from God and that God has taken care of our sins, has forgiven us of our sins through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment we realize that and put our trust in what Jesus has done for us, that's when we become a Christian. That's what makes us right before God. That's what gives us the the promise and the hope and the guarantee that we will spend eternity with him after this life is over in his presence, sharing together in his glory with all other believers. That takes place the moment we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But the word of God is filled with admonitions for those of us who are believers in how to live our lives so that we would maintain a close relationship with God. It's, it's very possible for believers in Jesus Christ to, to have a poor relationship with God. Just like it's very possible in a family for a, for a child to have a poor relationship with his or her parents. They're still part of the same family, but because the child sees things differently and operates on a different wavelength and decides that they don't want to live under that, those parents' you know, rules or, or authority, then there's conflict in the relationship. And so whenever you, you read admonitions in the Word of God and in, in how he wants us to live our lives, he gives us these things to show us how we can live in a close relationship with him. Like a child who obeys the rules of the home, like a child who respects his or her parents, that child has a close relationship, a close walk with, her, with his or her parents, and, and life is good and life is at peace. That's how God wants us to be with him. And one of the ways that we can do these, uh, that we can have a close walk with him is in our relationship with our government. Now understand this. There have been and there are currently plenty of bad governments. In this particular passage, the Apostle Paul is laying out the way a good government would look. Now remember, in the, in the life of the Apostle Paul, he was living during the Roman Empire, there were times when, when some of the Roman emperors that Paul was living under were, were very, very bad rulers. And the things that he's saying about government in Romans 13 did not apply to them. There were times when the Apostle Paul found himself in prison for obeying God instead of the government. And he wouldn't be saying that these governments um, that, that he was living under at that time were, in that, in that sense, agents of God. They were also in rebellion against God, and that's why he, when he wrote to Timothy, he said, pray for governments, pray for those kings and those who are in authority, that they'll get their act together 
and that they will begin to govern properly so that we can live our lives for Christ, so that we can live in all godliness and holiness and, and peace, so that we can continue to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus because he wants everybody to hear about him. He wants everybody to come to know him. And that, and that takes place in, in the best way when the government is keeping the order and keeping the peace and punishing wrongdoers and, and commending those who are obeying you know, the rules, those who are living in order with one another, and, and also then giving us permission, as the United States of America does, which is one of the things that we're most thankful for about our country, is that from its founding, we have been allowed to, even encouraged in certain ways, to live a life of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege to even do what we're doing this morning. You know, there are places around the world where the internet you know, signals and, and things are, are being affected right now by governments because they don't want the message of the gospel going out. There are places in the world right now where people that are gathered together, even the small number that we're gathered together this morning, where those meetings are being held in secret because they're not allowed to do the things that we do here in the United States. And so we celebrate this morning the the absolute gift of God that it is, the absolute answer to prayer that it is, that we're able to do the things that we do as we worship um, God in the way that we believe his word tells us to do it. We're very, very thankful for that this morning. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a great answer to prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that everything about the United States and everything that our government does is always correct. And so that's why we look to the, we look to the word of God we also look to the law that God has written in each of our hearts to help us understand that the way things are supposed to be. And, and we recognize and we look at this and we see that God is established in good governments. He doesn't use the word police, but he uses the word the sword, that the, that the government bears the sword for a reason. In other words, the government uses physical force to keep the peace within that nation. That's exactly what a police force is, is all about. And that's exactly what he's describing in this particular passage. And so we need to understand that while our police force in the United States, and remember, there isn't one police force in the United States. The police forces are divided up among the states, and then within those states, they're divided up within communities, within cities and towns, villages and, 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 and smaller places. It's, a, it's a, a, a vast difference among those, um, those forces. But the concept of police is found right here in Scripture very clearly. So, as we, as we go through this time of unrest in our country, and we, and we hear for a lot, of, a lot of reports in a lot of places, we're hearing that people are calling for the defunding of police of putting that organization within the government away and, and doing something different. We need to understand that when we do that, we're, we're, we're saying that we want to take away what God has ordained within a good government to help keep the peace. Now, that doesn't mean that our, all of our police forces are good or are doing exactly the right thing. It doesn't mean that every police officer within every police force is good and committed to doing the right thing. But it does mean that the concept is part of God's plan. And so what we need to do instead of calling for 
a, a getting rid of police. We need to hold our government responsible to make sure that we are having the right kind of police. Police that are really in doing their job according to what God says in his word, punishing the evildoer, punishing the lawbreaker, and commending those who are doing things right. In most places, that's happening on a very regular basis within the United States of America, but not in every place. And so where that is not happening, those citizens of that particular town or that particular city need to, by their vote and by their right of legal protest, they need to call for changes to be made within that police force. But again, according to God's word, it's not a call to abolish a police force. It's a call to get the right kind and to make the right changes so that those policemen who bear the sword, now in our, in our case, in our culture, in, in our time frame, it's not a sword. They bear the taser, they bear the nightstick, they bear, you know, firearms. But they bear those things according to God's plan to punish those who are doing evil, those who are breaking the laws, those who are breaking the peace that God has established within the country that he's given the government the responsibility to maintain through a police force. He's given that to them to do it correctly. So our call is not to abolish that system, but to make it a good one. Now, each of us has a responsibility in our own area within the Midway Community Church family. We live in different jurisdictions. We live in different precincts. We live in different counties. Um, we're all in the state of Georgia, so we, we all have the Georgia State Patrol. We need to be concerned that the Georgia State Patrol does its job according to God's word. And if we find out there are times or examples when it doesn't, then we need to make sure that, that the corrections are being made. And thankfully, we have mechanisms in place where we hear about different reforms that are being made when things need to happen like that in the Georgia State Patrol or in the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. We also, if we live in Cherokee County or Forsyth County or Fulton County, or, or towns that have their own police forces. We need to keep our eyes and ears open for what's going on within those police forces with the way that they're exercising their authority, with the way that they're executing the judgment that they have to make on a, on a daily or nightly basis. And if there are abuses um, happening, if a brutality is happening against any individual or against any particular group of individuals, we need to raise up our voices whether, whether in protest or in letters that we write or phone calls that we make or conversations that we have with those in authority, and we need to hold them accountable to make the right changes, to make sure that the people are being trained properly and that people are being uh, relieved of duty and even prosecuted if necessary if they're committing crimes against the citizens of the country. And that's a lot of what's going on today in the protests around the country. But whenever those protests spill over into breaking of the law, theft or vandalism or even murder, then we have to understand that that isn't the way that God has ordained for us to ask for those changes to be made. I'd like you to take your Bibles and look in, in 1 Peter chapter 4. It's, a, it's close to the end of your New Testament. 
after the, the larger book of, uh, letter to the Hebrews and then James, then comes 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, the Apostle Peter, like the Apostle Paul, uh, recognized that there, there are lots of times when Christians are living in an area of any country, in this case it was the Roman Empire, but they recognize that there are times when Christians um, receive punishment, not because they're breaking the law, but because they're being a Christian, because they're doing the things that Christians do. And whenever doing the things that Christians are called to do is breaking the law of that city or that, or that state or that empire, then God in his word gives us permission to rebel in that sense against the, the ruling authorities because the main ruling authority is God himself. And so when the government asks us to do something that's contrary to the the rule of God, to the laws of God, then he says that we should obey God rather than men. He talks about that in Acts chapter 4 when when the apostle um, John uh, John and and Peter were arrested and uh, they were told not to talk about Jesus anymore. And they said, hey, you know, you might want us to stop talking about Jesus, but God told us to do this, and you decide what's smarter, to obey you or to obey God. We're going to obey God. You remember in the Old Testament, we looked not too long ago at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, uh, in the book of Daniel, and they were told to worship an idol. And they said, uh, Emperor, King, you, you may think it's a great thing for us to worship this, this image of you, but God told us not to, so regardless of what you say, we're doing what he says. And that's throughout the scripture. All right, whenever we're told to do something that is contrary to the word of God, we have the right under God to, to refuse to do that. Now, we might be punished for it. And that's what Peter's talking about here in 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. There's a reference to his return and all believers being united with him. And so no matter what suffering we've undergone, we're going to be rejoicing at that moment. He wants us to keep that in mind. Continuing on in verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Then verse 15 says, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is the time for the judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will, be, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Now, one of the things that he points out as he talks about the fact that Christians in most countries 
are going to suffer at one time or another for doing the things of God instead of the things of men. He commends us for doing that, but he says, don't suffer because you're a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or a meddler. You see, those are the kinds of things that the government has been uh, instituted to punish. And so as people protest what's going on in the police forces around the country right now, and those protests go from peaceful protest in calling for action to actually damaging buildings and businesses, to actually harming other people, to actually stealing things that belong to others or to businesses, those things are supposed to be punished and there's, and there's no reason for us to stand, stand aside and say, oh, it's okay, they're upset, they're mad, they've had a hard time, and, and so this is just the way they're, you know, they're letting out their, their anger and their, and their years of, of dissatisfaction with the government and with the police force. Those things, all of, the, all of the truth of that angst and that anger doesn't justify breaking the law in, in harming people taking other people's property, damaging other people's property, and, and, and meddling in, in those kinds of things. The scripture is very clear that those things are supposed to be punished. And so we have to make a clear distinction during these days as we watch and participate in what's going on. We have to be very careful who we support and who we identify with in these movements. We, we need, as we saw last week, we need to be sympathetic with every human being in the world of all races. We, we cannot be racist. We cannot look more favorably on one race or nationality or, or, or people group than another because all of us are God's, are God's people. God created all of us. Now, we're not all God's people in the sense of all believers in Christ, which is, a, which is a special distinction within Scripture, but because all of us have been made in the image of God, we saw last week, everybody deserves respect. Everybody deserves honor. But within that, everybody who breaks the law also deserves to be punished. Not breaking, the, not breaking God's law, and God's law is very clear in his word, and when we're told not to do something that he tells us to do, we continue to do it. When we're told to, to continue doing something he tells us not to do, we stop doing it. His law reigns supreme. But we have to understand that when, when the protests or the dissatisfaction or the anger that, that we have when the police force or any other part of government doesn't do the things that we think it should, our protests cannot break over into um, lawlessness. It can't break over into violence against police, violence against other individuals. It can't, it can't spill over into uh, vandalism and, and, and thievery and all of those kind of things. So we have to stand against those things. So while we support the movement to stop police brutality, we cannot support the part of that movement that is, that is calling for lawlessness you know, this calling for anarchy, this, this calling for the, the dissolution or the defunding of police. We can call for the, the reform of police, but we can't call for something that God clearly establishes in his word, which is a, a viable, right kind of police force. So we have to be careful in our, in our identification. And remember, the most important thing that we can do 
is pray. As, as Mark read from 1 Timothy um, chapter 2 this morning, countries and kings and those in authority, they're in need of prayer, just like we as individuals are in need of prayer. And so we need to be praying for our authorities, our president. We need to be praying for our governor. We need to be praying for our larger city mayors and then the mayors and, and, and council mem- members of our own towns and, and, and counties. We need to be praying for them that they will do the right kinds of things, that they will establish the right kinds of organizations, especially when it comes to controlling the, you know, the, the, uh, the peace and the order of our communities, which comes under the, the authority of police. We need to be praying for them in these, in these regards. But then in the United States, we also have the opportunity beyond prayer to exercise protest, to exercise the writing of letters, to exercise the phone calls, to exercise the, the, the personal meetings that we can have with those in authority, to let them know of what we expect from them as they reform and improve our police forces. We need to do all of those things the best that we can if we see things that aren't right within our local police forces. It's our responsibility. It's, it, and it's also our right, and we praise God for that, and we need to exercise that right. But we can't fall into the, into the mindset, even though it's, it's very popular and it's, being, and it's being told us many different times in many different ways through our media to defund the police. We need to understand that goes against what God has established within his word of how governments are supposed to operate. We don't need to defund them. We need to make them better. We need to, we need to hold our government responsible We're in our local or state or federal, whatever the case, when the opportunities that we have to do it legally, to make, those, to make our voices heard, that those, that those reforms will take place. And in that way, we can identify with everybody who's been abused, with everybody uh, who's been mistreated by the police, but we won't fall over into identifying with those aspects of the, of the protests that are violent, um, that, are, uh, that are against God's law. So we need to be very careful as we identify with these movements. We need to be careful that we pray And we need to be careful in the way that we speak and talk to those in our community so they understand that our standards don't just come from tradition. Our standards don't just come because of the way things always have been. Our standards come from the Word of God. And we're not satisfied when when our government isn't living up to its responsibility to the Word of God. That's why we vote. That's why we try to, to change politicians when they're not getting the job done, through the vote. Through our, through our letters, through our emails, through our conversations with those in authority. We're not satisfied when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. But we have to, to let people know that our dissatisfaction doesn't just come from tradition, but it also, and most importantly, comes from the Word of God. And so as we walk through these days, let's be prayerful. Let's be mindful of God's Word. Let's be respectful to those who are doing it God's way who are doing the things in the, in the ways that they're supposed to. Let's, let's encourage them. Let's honor them. But let's also hold people and organizations accountable when they do things the wrong way within the areas that we have responsibility, within the areas that we, uh, that we live and, and where our voices um, will count. And let's stand together with all people in the right ways in the ways that God establishes, in the way that God ordains within his word. Not breaking the law, but working within the law to do what we can 
to see the changes take place that will help everybody in our country live in these, as, as God put it in, this, in the scripture in this morning, to live godly and holy lives in quietness and peace because he wants us to continue to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only mediator between God and men. And praise God that we can still do that in this country, and let's keep working toward keeping that freedom to do that most important thing. And then along the way to also correct the other abuses that may happen along the way, because every government is made up of sinful people. And even great people have sinful tendencies, and even great people have bad days. And so we need to hold them accountable to live according to a high standard and then also to support them and honor them when they do the right things. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your word. We want to thank you that your word addresses the very things that we go through on a daily basis. And right now our country is in a crisis. And we thank you that your word is not silent concerning the things of this crisis that we find ourselves in. This is a very difficult time for us, Father. We want to identify with those who are oppressed. But we also don't want to identify with those who would justify murder, who would justify theft, who would justify vandalism and and those types of activities in the protest. And so help us to be wise in those who we identify with. Help us to be wise in our conversations with our friends and neighbors and coworkers. Help us to be uh, empathetic and sympathetic to those who are, who are as a group, as, as a race, or as an ethnic group who are being discriminated against. Help us to be sympathetic and helpful and encouraging to them as we represent um, our areas where we're, where we're allowed to vote, but most importantly as we pray. Because, Father, we know that more than presidents, more than governors, more than mayors, that you have the power to change hearts. And so we ask now again that you would change the hearts of those in authority who are, uh, who are being stubborn, who are standing on, on tradition or standing on pride or standing on hate, whatever they might be doing, whatever might, their motivation might be. We pray that you would break their hearts, that you would help them to remember the truth from your word and the truth from the law that you've written on all the hearts of every person that you would remind them of what right and wrong is and that they would govern accordingly. And Father, those who are, who are affected more by the abuse, by the discrimination, by the brutality, we pray that you would work in their hearts too to heal the, the hate, to heal the pain of loss and to exercise their rights also uh, in, in a legal f- uh, format so that their voices will really be heard and so the right kind of changes can be brought about. Father, we pray for the Atlanta mayor right now, particularly as this city is in such an uproar. We pray that you would give her wisdom. We pray that you would remind her even of these truths that we've spoken of this morning from your word. We know that she's heard these things before. We pray that you would remind her of them, that she would remain um, steadfast in her support of the Atlanta Police Department and of the the Georgia State Patrol and all those that uh, that she has some um, authority over in the Atlanta area. And we pray that you would give her wisdom 
as she deals with those who are breaking the law. Help her to, to have the wisdom to let the, the leaders of the police forces do their jobs and, and arrest the people that are breaking the law and hold them accountable for those things so that those who are protesting peacefully can continue to do so, so that the right changes um, can be heard about and can be made. Father, she has a very, very tough job, and we pray that you'd help her, that you'd, that you'd give her encouragement, and that you'd give her the right kind of advisors um, during these very, very difficult and important days. And Father, we pray for our, our governor, as he has tremendous influence also on the situation in Atlanta. We pray this for the same wisdom for him and for our president. He will also have influence in our own city and, and also around the country where, where there's so much rebellion going on that is, that is against the law, according to your scripture. We pray that you give him wisdom as he works with those governors and those mayors who are allowing these things to take place. And that he would exercise uh, the authority of, of the federal agencies um, that have responsibility to keep the peace as well. Give him wisdom to do it in the right way at the right time. But above all, Father, we pray that you would be at work in the hearts of the men and women and boys and girls of this country, and that you would bring about, bring about a great awakening, a great spiritual awakening where people will realize their need for a Savior, that we are living in a sinful world, influenced by sinful people all around us, and that every one of us participates in that in some way, but that there's hope for them through Jesus Christ. Remind them of that. Get the word to them through churches like ours and others around the country that there would be a great awakening by your spirit to help people understand their need for a Savior. And then, Father, within your church that you'd bring a revival, that we'd be more concerned about obeying your word and staying close to you and serving you than, than continuing with traditions that may not have anything to do with your word at all. And so we pray that you'd help us, Father, your word says that if any, of us, if any of us are in trouble, we should pray. And Father, we are praying now, asking you to heal our land so that we can continue to live up to the, to the opportunities that we have by nature of the kind of country that you've given us, where we are allowed to live peaceful and godly lives in all holiness and godliness so that we can share the truth of your word, of your son, of your salvation through him, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, at this time, the praise team is going to lead us uh, in, a, in a song of commitment. And as we sing this song, if you've heard the word today in a way that you've never heard it before and you understand your need for a Savior, I would encourage you, if you haven't done it, put your trust in Jesus Christ. He is the answer, not just to the difficulties that we're facing as a nation, but more importantly, he's the answer to the need that you have for a Savior, the need that you have for forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So put your trust in Jesus even as we sing this song now.